Welcome home. You're listening to the 180 Church Podcast with Dr. Sammy and friends. Dr. Sammy D. Kim is a Harvard-trained ethicist and co-founder of 180 Church NYC. He is a Yale Hastings Scholar at the Yale Interdisciplinary Center for Bioethics and the Hastings Center, where he explores the inequities surrounding health, immigration, and social policies, along with professional burnout. He is also a regular contributor to Christianity Today. For more information, please visit his website at samdkim.com. I'm going to give you a moment. As we bow our heads together today, we're just going to spend a moment of silence and solitude, practice the rule of life to get ready to hear from the Word of God and our brother Stu. Whatever God and the Spirit might be trying to say to us. exhale just let all the automatic ruminating toxic or thoughts emotions that's weighing on you this season and remember the promise that when we supplicate our anxieties to the Lord that he'll give us peace so let's inhale God's presence And Holy Spirit, we pray that your transcending presence would come. Protect our mind and our hearts. Sarah Young, Jesus calling. Trust me in all your thoughts. I know that some thoughts are unconscious or semi-conscious. I do not hold you responsible for those. But you can direct conscious thoughts much more than you realize. Practice thinking in certain ways, trusting me, thanking me. And those thoughts become more natural. Reject negative or sinful thoughts as soon as you become aware of them. Don't try to hide them from me. Confess them and leave them with me. Go on your way lightheartedly. This method of controlling your thoughts will keep your mind into my presence and your feet on the path of peace. All God's people pray. Amen. Once again, I swear that I didn't coordinate this sermon with that devotional. But it's just funny how it works out like that. Anyway, um, back in the year 1994, long time ago, uh, the great cultural theologian from Alabama. Sorry, as I'm getting myself settled here, I am klutzy today. Uh, the great cultural theologian from Alabama, Forrest Gump, gave us this quote. Stupid is as stupid does. Well, let me tell you guys, stupid was as stupid did, and I did as stupid this week. Uh, because this is all being recorded for YouTube and posterity and all that, I have to be a little bit nebulous about the specifics, but the long story short of it was I lifted something I shouldn't have. I screwed up my back. I've been in pain all week. But thank God for the physical therapists out there. I, by the grace of God and them, I am still standing. But this is what we do sometimes, right? We do stupid things. We screw things up, we lift things that we're not supposed to, we goof up, we do stupid. If you don't think you do a stupid every now and again, 
you need to take a little bit better look in the mirror or just ask some of your friends. They're really good at pointing out the stupid things that you do, usually in love, but they're good at po uh, pointing it out. Now, when I use that phrase, I did a stupid, I do so very intentionally, and I don't say, I am a stupid. Not just because it's grammatically incorrect, because both of them are grammatically incorrect, but because we've talked about the dangers, about rooting our identity in the things that we do, whether it's our goals, whether it's our desires, whether it's the good things we do, or whether it's the stupids that we do. Our identities are based on who we are, ontologically, in Christ, as his children, as, as his sons and daughters saved by his grace. And even though we are lovingly, wonderfully, and fearfully made in Christ's image, even though we are his children, there will be times when we do a stupid. This iPad almost did a stupid. So, where was I? There are times where we are going to screw things up, whether it's a project at work, whether it's screwing up our back, whether it's we do something and we ruin a relationship, whether it's we stumble into a repeated sin over and over again. There are going to be times when we do a stupid. And as we've said, there are things that we do, but they're not our identity. Because when we are in Christ, by our relationship with Christ, we are considered as saints, as our identity. But by action, we commit the act of sin. That's why we have confession. That's why we have accountability groups, so that we don't let our actions become our identity, so that we can be reconciled to God and reconciled to one another when we do a stupid and it affects our relationship with one another. That's how we get restored to God and restored to one another, so that these things, these actions, don't become our identity. But this is all something great to have within our head. I mean, this is something we can say, yeah, sure, I get this. But it's a little bit harder to put into practice, especially in our head spaces, because that's where we often turn that I did a stupid into an I am a stupid. It's where we get those attacks on our identity, those harassing thoughts, those never ending earworms, like a bad song that you can't get out of your head that constantly says you are a stupid. I've talked uh, before, I've quoted John Eldridge and Brent Curtis and how they talk about the messages of the arrows, those constant themes that hit us in the places of brokenness and our identity and always seem to come up in our lives. And if we can put that quote up there, this is what they say in the sacred romance. The arrows strike at the most vital places in our hearts, the things we care most about. The deepest questions we ever ask are directly related to our heart's greatest needs and the answers life gives us shapes our images of ourselves, of life and of God. Who am I? The romance whispers that we are someone special, that our heart is good because it is made for someone good. The arrows tell us that we are a dime a dozen, worthless, even dark and twisted, dirty. Does that sound familiar? It's not an I am a stupid, it's not, it's not, I did a stupid, see, I, I, I get this goofed up every now and again, but that's not my identity. It's not, I did a stupid, but it's, an I am a stupid. I will always be a stupid. I will never get anything right. That's just who I am and that's who I'll always be. Those are the kind of thoughts, those are the kind of attacks that really target our identity. And they can come from a number of different places. Docs has talked about the quadrilateral matrix, the different ways that these thoughts can come at us. Sometimes it's just that we're our biggest critics. 
we kick ourselves because we remember that we did something stupid in the fourth grade or we goofed up on a job 20 years ago. All right, maybe some of you guys didn't have jobs 20 years ago. Maybe I'm dating myself on that one, but you guys get my point, right? Sometimes it's the world. Sometimes we goof up something at work. Sometimes we goof up something in our family and we just don't stop hearing it from them. When are you gonna get a real job? When are you gonna start doing your job right? When are you gonna get that promotion? When are you gonna stop wasting money on things and start preparing for a family? When are you gonna get married? How many of you guys have heard that kind of a stuff over and over again, right? And it attacks our identity and attacks our self-worth. Now, sometimes we get convictions that do come from God. Sometimes there are things where we realize we have done a stupid and there's more to us than this. But when God comes and talks to us about this, when he convicts us, when he speaks to us, it's not you are a stupid. It's more of a fatherly tone. It's more loving tone where he says, I created you to be more than this because I know there is more to you than this. And you can and you will be more if you just let me love you and father you and walk with me through this path in life. It's a welcoming tone that grows us and builds us up. And then there's the complete opposite end of the spectrum. There's the voice of the enemy, the one that is always accusing, that is always demeaning, that always says that you're worthless, that you're nothing. You will always be nothing. And we've heard that before, right? We get those voices in our heads and they're constant. They attack our identity. And the more we hear them, the more we tend to believe them. Now, we're continuing to use uh, Neil Anderson's book, uh, Victory Over the Darkness, as uh, a basis for some of these sermons on identity. And again, I'm very happy that a lot of people are starting to pick up the book, starting to listen to it, because there is so much good stuff in here that maybe it'll hit you a little bit different than it hits me, and it will speak to you in just the right ways. But I can't cover everything up here, so I, I do encourage you guys to read it on your own. But in here, when it comes to the harassing thoughts about our identities and our, about temptations, this is what Anderson says. Many Christians don't feel like new creations in Christ. They don't feel God loves them because of old thoughts raised up against the knowledge of God. When we tear down those strongholds and take every thought captive in obedience to Christ, our emotions will begin to conform to the reality of God's loving presence. See, these attacks on our identity, no matter where they come from, they are something that we can take authority over as children of Christ. They are something that it is possible to not only resist, but to overcome. So we're gonna draw on what Anderson wrote. We're gonna learn how to really take captive this, and we're gonna do it in three easy steps. And I came up with a little mnemonic that will help you know, kind of get this going. You guys know what a mnemonic is, right? It's a little thing that helps us remember something. We probably learned a lot of them while we were in school. Like, what do you do when you're, when you're on fire? There you go, stop, drop, and roll. You're trying to find uh, the angle of a triangle. You know, the, the whole Sokotoa thing, sine, cosine, tangent, all of that. You guys know the I before E rule? I before E, except after C is sounding in A is in neighbor and way and in weekends and holidays and all throughout May, so you always be wrong no matter what you say. Maybe I learned that one wrong. But that's the, the basic point of a mnemonic. Now, this one is actually based on something that I learned in the academy for a wildly different purpose. If you guys want to know more about it, I will gladly tell you at lunch. But I think it really works well here. So the three steps is rip, work, replace. Say it with me. Rip, work, replace. All right, let's get this going. We're going to put up our scripture first here from uh, 2 Corinthians. 
And in the scripture, Paul is making it clear that we fight spiritual battles, battles that aren't fought as, you know, like I know a lot of people here do jujitsu. They do, you know, kickboxing and do all those kind of things. Those are not the kind of battles that we need to fight when it comes to our identity. They are spiritual battles that have to be fought in the spiritual realm. And Paul was dealing with some of these, especially with attacks on his own identity from the church in Corinth, because there were people there saying that you're not really that great an apostle. You talk a big game when you're writing your letters, but when you show up, you're very meek and quiet. But Paul didn't let these accusations take root in him. He didn't let them become his identity. He fought them in a spiritual manner. And this is what he says, and this is what we can learn. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Now, these strongholds that Paul mentions, they can be anything that challenges our identity, that challenges the truth of who we are in Christ, the harassing thoughts, that you're worthless, that you're no good, that you're a mess, those messages of the arrows, however you want to term them. We need to take them captive. When they first come in, you have to actually attack them. And this is the first thing. This is the first thing we can learn. Let's put this point up. We rip down the harassing thoughts. That's the first thing. When, you're, when you are in Christ, you have authority over these thoughts, over these attacks. And by taking that authority, by saying, I make this subject to Christ, I make this obedient and captive to Christ, you can rip them down like any stronghold. And the thing is, you need to do it very quickly. You need to not let it ruminate. You need to not let it gain any kind of a foothold. Again, let's go back to what Anderson says here. If we could. There we go. When we ruminate on tempting thoughts, rather than taking them captive, there will be an emotional reaction because our emotions are a product of our thoughts. We can't directly control our feelings, but we can control what we think and believe. The mind and will combination is the control center. We don't do anything without first thinking it. The physical and emotional responses to our thoughts may appear to be so fast that we conclude that we have no control over the process, but we do. As Proverbs 23, 7 says, For as a man thinks within himself, so he is. Now, in this quote, Anderson is more linking thoughts to temptations and the actions that are taken from temptations. But when you really think about it, these attacks on our identity, those whispers, those messages of the arrows, what are they but temptations to believe the wrong things about our identity in Christ? That's all that they are. And they're relatively, I say relatively easy, to take down because we have authority over them in Christ. But the thing is, the longer you ruminate on it, the longer you indulge it, the longer you let it have a foothold, the bigger and louder those whispers become until they become the big lie. You guys know what the big lie is, right? And I'm not talking about any particular political thing. I know that's been a thing over the last couple of years. I'm just talking about it in a general context. 
there was an actor back in the 90s uh, by the name of Richard Belzer. And he put it this way. If you tell a lie that's big enough and you tell it often enough, people will believe you're telling the truth, even if what you're saying is total crap. That's what these attacks are. That's what these whispers are. Total crap. And the longer we debate them, the longer we try to fight against them because, oh, no, no, that's not true that I'm a mess. It's not true that I can't, you know, do this, that, or the other thing. The longer you do that, the more they build up, the more they remain, the stronger a foothold they gain on us, and they become that big lie. Instead, we need to take that authority in Christ and rip it down. It is bound in Christ. It is taken captive in Christ. It is made obedient to Christ. That's all there is to it. You give it no foothold. As soon as it comes up, we take it captive. We make it obedient to Christ, and it is ripped away so that it can't take root in us. So on this first point, ripping down the harassing thoughts, is that something that you guys have ever even thought of doing? Or do you tend to argue with the harassing thoughts? Do you try to rationalize with it? You can't. You can't rationalize with lies. You can't debate lies. You just take authority in Christ over it. And I pray that as we go forth in this week and as you go forth in your life, when you find these attacks coming at you, wherever they come from, you take that moment and you take authority in it over Christ. You take authority over it in Christ and you rip it down before it can take root. So let's go on to the next one. We got rip. Next is work. Let's put up the uh, second point. When we're dealing with these attacks on our identity, the second thing we need to do is we need to work our thoughts back to Christ. See, once you've ripped these, uh, these distracting thoughts, these intrusive thoughts down, once you've given them that eviction notice and said, that's it, you're done, get out of here, now is the time to start working your thoughts back to Christ. And it's an intentional movement that you have to do. It is, you can't just reject the lies and expect everything is going to be fine because your mind will start to wander. You have to put it on something. And it's not a passive move that we can make. It's something that we actively have to do. That's why it's a work. See, let's go to what Paul is saying in the church of Philippi, and he kind of touches on this as well. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all, the Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ. And that sounds a little bit difficult at first, right? To not be anxious. In the midst of the attacks of our identity, how easy it is, is it to get anxious? How easy is it to start getting in your own headspace and start thinking, oh man, is this really true about me? I, I can see how it is. All of those things, we get anxious about it. Paul is saying to turn those anxieties by prayer and petition over to God, to put our thoughts on who Christ is, that he is the one who will take these anxieties from us. And it sounds kind of crazy for Paul to say, do not be anxious about everything, about anything. It's a little bit easier than it sounds because he's not saying 
just be happy-go-lucky. Hakuna Matata, don't worry about anything. He's not saying that. He's saying don't be overly anxious. Do not let yourself become crippled in anxiety about these things. But take those things that you are anxious about. In our case, the things about our identity that are being challenged, that are being lied to us about, take these things that we're anxious about and give them over to Christ. Say, Lord, I am struggling in this. Show me what your truth is. Show me what the truth about my identity is. See, a lot of times we can tend to overanalyze ourselves. We get in our own headspace. We start to think, you know, what, what is this attack? Where does it come from? And I'll be honest, my initial thought about this point was to work out where the attacks are coming from. But really, what does it matter where it comes from? Whether it comes from the world, whether it comes from ourselves, whether it comes from the enemy, the solution isn't where the attacks are coming from. The solution is who we turn to in the midst of those attacks. We can't just examine ourselves. We can't get our own headspace. We have to turn our thoughts to Christ and let him examine us. Anderson points out that the only kind of self-examination that we can do has to lead back to Christ. And he cites Psalm 139, where David writes, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. See, it leads our thoughts right back to God, to Christ, who does know us, who knows our anxiety, who knows our fears, and most of all, knows our identity in him. And by turning our thoughts towards Christ and knowing who he is and knowing what he is saying to us in those prayers and in those petitions, we can understand what the truth is of who he created us to be. And the funny thing is, even when we are being attacked or we feel like we're being attacked, even if those things are coming from Christ, because nobody likes being corrected, nobody likes getting even constructive criticism. Sometimes even when God is saying, hey, I've call, I'm calling you to more than this, it can feel like an attack. But when you put your eyes on Christ, you are in the perfect position to realize, oh, this isn't just an attack on my identity. This is Christ leading me into something more. You're in the perfect position to grow. So that's why, like I said, we need to work our thoughts back to Christ. So the next question, are you guys falling into anxiety about your identity? Are you getting stuck in kind of that feedback loop of introspection? There's a thing that's called morbid introspection where you look so deep into yourself that you get lost. You get caught in your own headspace and it just becomes introspection for introspection's sake. You get lost in that. You can't do that. You need to work your thoughts back to Christ. So my prayer for you guys is that we would fix our eyes on Christ. We would fix our eyes on the one who Again, going back to Psalm 139, who created our inmost being, who knitted us in our mother's womb and knew us all the days of our lives before we even lived one of them. So in the midst of those attacks on our identity, in the midst of those attacks that challenge and lie about who we are in Christ, we can turn our thoughts back to Christ and experience the peace that comes beyond understanding because we know the one who created us we know the one who gives us our identity and who can speak his truth over us.
Now, my last point, now that we've said, okay, I'm done with these thoughts. I'm ripping them out. I am making them obedient to Christ. I've got that. Now, I'm going to put over my anxiety to God. I'm going to work my thoughts towards Christ. Okay, I got it. This is our last step in resisting the attacks to our identity. We have to replace the intrusive thoughts with God's truth. You see, even once we've ripped down the attacking thoughts, even once we've worked our thoughts back to Christ, we still have a mind that's ready to be filled with anything. Have you guys ever heard the saying, nature abhors a vacuum, right? No, nobody? Well, it's true. Let me, let me, let me put it, in a, let me put it in, a, in a different way. Have you ever taken a day where you said, I ain't doing squat today. I am not doing anything. I am clearing, I am calling out from work. I am not going to school. I'm not doing anything. I'm just leaving this day open. What ends up happening? You end up doing the laundry. You end up going on a day trip with friends. You end up occupying your couch and playing video games for about 20 hours. Believe me, I've never done that. No, that's, that's a lie. These are the things that happen when you leave something empty. Something always comes up to fill it. That's why whether you know it's ecology, whether it's your day, or whether it's our mind, something will fill it inevitably. And if your mind isn't filled with something good, with something true, with something holy, then all of these intrusive thoughts, all of these attacks on our identity, guess what? They're just going to come right back. You need to have your mind filled with something. And Paul gives us more guidance here. He says, and this is again from Philippians, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, Put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. The God of peace will be with you. That sounds real nice, right? There are some times where we could really use that time with the God of peace, right? Every time before I come up here to do a sermon, I'm like, ooh, I really need the God of peace to be with me right now. But how do we get that? It's by knowing the truth of who we are in Christ. It's what Paul means when he says, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, pure, lovely, whatever is admirable. He's talking about all the things that we know of who God is, of who Christ is, and who he is in our lives, and who he created us to be. He's telling us to be filled with these things, to always meditate on these things. And the funny thing is, we meditate on stuff all the time, right? We don't even think about it, but we know about things. Like, we meditate on these things. For example, how many of you guys know that yesterday was Bobby Bonilla Day? All right, there's no sports fans in here? Oh, wow, okay. How many of you guys know that the, uh, the Yankees split their double hitter last night? Okay, some people got that. I, I, gotta, I gotta test these, uh, these lines before I get up here then. Anyway, there are things that we know that we meditate on that we can, you know, just go right off the cuff with. But there are some things that we can go right off the cuff with that don't mean really much in the grand scheme of things. And there are things that we really should kind of think about that we don't meditate on, that we don't know by heart. 
maybe maybe you guys are, are going to surprise me on this pleasantly, but how many of you guys know where uh, Jesus talks about, I am the vine and you are the branches? Okay, so, all right, so I got this backwards. I, I did not give you guys enough credit. That was, that was me doing a stupid today. But it's important that we know Scripture. It's important that we know the truths of who God is and who he calls us to be. Those are the things that Paul is telling us to fill our minds with. Whatever is all these things, think about these things. When we look at Matthew, Mark, and Luke's Gospels, each of those contains an account of Jesus going in the desert to be tempted by the devil, right? You guys know that one? And every time the devil comes and tempts Jesus, he says, if you're the son of God, he tries to tempt him into proving his identity. He tries to question his identity. But what does Jesus do? He doesn't engage. He doesn't reason with. He just simply states fact. This is what scripture says. This is who my identity is. This is it. Doesn't mess around with it. He just refers to the truth of scripture. It is right at the forefront of his knowledge and he is secured in his identity in those moments. The enemy can't use his Weasley tactics. He can't lie. He can't try to trick Jesus. He will try to do that to us. He will try to lie about our identity. He will try to trip us up in our identity. But when we have a basis of scripture, when we know who God is and who he's called us to be and the truth of our identity in Christ, we can reply with those things in an instant. And I'm not saying it's easy and I'm not saying that everybody has to go out and memorize the Bible because Lord knows I can't do that either. But there are some things that you can grab onto. When the enemy says that your identity is that you're worthless, you can say no. Like I said before, John 15, I am a branch connected to the vine, connected to Christ and appointed to bear fruit. When the enemy says that your identity is nothing more than the sins of your past, you're always gonna be a mess. You say no. Second Corinthians five, I am a new creation in Christ. The old is gone, the new has come. You can say Romans eight, in Christ I am free from condemnation and I cannot be separated from God's love. That sounds good, right? When the enemy says you will never be free of your sins and your traumas, you're never going to change, you say no. Philippians 1, I can be confident that the work God has started in me will be completed. This is why we replace the intrusive thoughts with God's truth. So that when those attacks come, when those lies come, we can recognize them as lies because we know the truth. We know who God is, who he called us to be, what our identity is in him. And this is all true once you accept Christ as your Lord and Savior. Now, again, it's a lifelong process. I had to look up these, these scripture quotes myself sometimes when we were doing that, uh, that game at Day in the Sun and Paul just all of a sudden threw it at me. All right, get him to a, a scripture quote. I'm like, I don't wanna do the wrong one. I don't wanna do a really weird scripture quote. It happens. But when we have some of, just even some of these scriptures on our lips, on our hearts, ready to go, when those attacks on our identity come, we are prepared for it. And the peace of God will be with us. So, last question for today. Do you know God's truths about you? Are you prepared 
to fight back against those attacks on your identity with God's truth? Are you ready to do that battle in the spiritual realm? Do you need to maybe brush up on that? I think it's something that we could all use to do. It's always a good thing when we take up like a Bible reading program or something like that so that we get that constant, how do I say it all the time in in announcements, that little bite-sized piece of God's uh, scripture for our lives. Those little bite-sized pieces, they add up and they are powerful. They are powerful to combat the lies that the enemy will fling at us to make us believe nonsense about our identity that will try to make us low. But, like I said, we rip down the intrusive thoughts. We work our thoughts back towards Christ. We replace the intrusive thoughts with God's truth. Nice, simple, easy in theory. I know it's harder in practice, but give it a shot. I guarantee once you start to take those thoughts captive, you will start to see improvement in your life. You will start to see a healthier image of yourself, of who you are in Christ, and you will be able to live the life that Christ calls you to. So, would you guys stand with me and pray about this? Heavenly Father, I thank you for that connection, for that fellowship that you have over us, that you have adopted us as sons and daughters, that you give us the authority by your power to take captive every thought that comes against the knowledge of God and that we can make them obedient to Christ. I pray, God, that in the places where the enemy or the world or even ourselves tries to break down our identity in you, you would show us your truth, that you would lead us back to the relationship that we have with you and show us how we can live, not in anxiety, not in crippling anxiety, not in fear, but in the truth of who you called us to be. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. There's only one asset in your whole life you can control, and that's your effort. You can't control psychosocial factors. You can't control if there's going to be a recession, depression, a market collapse. You can't control those things. There can be a nuclear war the next day. You can't control that. The only thing we can control in our lives is our personal effort and how we respond to the environment in which we live. Now, this applies to every arena in our lives. Physical fitness. You can eat a piece of cake, but if you eat the whole cake, people are going to have to start rolling you around. You're going to be a whole lot heavier. I know this for a fact because I ate the whole cake before. So all of you know what we call discipline. You know how to restrain. You know how to count calories. You know how to exercise because you want to be presentable in the world. So you put your effort into that arena. Many of you are highly successful people, bright people. You've worked very hard in high school, college to land where you are. 
What I've seen in the last 25 years in reflection to the spiritual life is that a lot of Christian things, because they're saved by grace, and they glorify grace, and you, you should, but they go, oh, when I come to church, it's just, there's no effort involved. I'm not going to really give my best. And so a lot of Christians spend a lot of time in many arenas giving their best effort, and they give the least amount of effort and discipline to their spiritual life. In the end, your spiritual life and the aggregation will be what you repeat. It's the discipline of the heart, the discipline of the church, and the discipline of the book. We know this. You're going to get what you put in. Today is an examination of how we're integrating this, these disciplines into our lives, whether it's devotionals, whether it's community, whatever it might be. Apart from those disciplines, your spiritual life will be the same 20 years from now. And for many, I've met people for 20 years, their spiritual life is exactly the same. They keep saying stupid things, and I know you shouldn't, Stupid is not who you are, but man, sometimes it's like, you know, the Bible says only the fool spurns discipline. You're like, okay, well, you keep doing stupid things. Well, you are what you repeat. Yes, Christ doesn't see you that way, and that's the tragedy. You've been lifted to Christ and seated with him in authority and have access to all kinds of power, but you're still living this defeated, truncated life and not living out your best. So today, the call is, what am I doing in my spiritual life? What's my purpose? What are my disciplines that I'm practicing? It's a call to action. So let's pray together right now. Will you lift your hands to the Lord today with me? And rather than praying for grace today, saying, God, forgive me for being lazy, forgive me for being dumb, or forgive me for just thinking that I could put you last because you'll forgive me. A lot of times people tell me, I don't even know what to pray. Yeah, that's because you don't read the Bible. You don't know what to say. Yeah, I don't know what to say. Dietrich Bonhoeffer said, don't let the poverty of your heart shape your prayer life. Let the word of God shape your life, your prayer life. If your poverty of the heart is going to shape what you say, but then some people say, well, I don't feel like it's authentic. Was your first date authentic? No, it was awkward. All the couples that are married, their first date was like, I don't know about this guy. It takes time. So here is what we're going to pray today. Say, so God, I want to commit to allowing the disciplines to enter my life. This is the whole theme this year, the tension of discipline and identity. Say, so God, I want the word of God to shape my life in every way. I want the testimony of the church and the enduring 
beautiful vision of the gospel in scripture to shape my prayer life, my communal life, my family life, and my witness. That's our prayer right now. Father, we want to pray in Jesus' name that the word of God would shape our identity, would shape who we are, will shape what we do, and not the poverty of our heart. Let that, that only be our option. So, Father, we, become, we come to you this afternoon with this action plan of allowing the Word of God and the community of God to shape our spiritual life than rather the poverty of our heart. The things we, we already know how poor we are in spirit and how sometimes prideful we are and resistant to wisdom. And we need extra grace for the Word of God to give us the words to pray and sometimes the Word of God, the words of God to live. And isn't that why we're gathering today, together today? To allow the Word of God to shape our lives. And I just want to tell you as we close today in prayer, we don't announce the devotionals every Sunday to annoy you. Well, I mean, we might actually be trying to annoy you. It's like we're trying to give you applications for disciplines to be able to form a difference or a different result in your spiritual life and ours. Because you are what you repeat. So Father, we pray this afternoon our coach, the Holy Spirit, would kick all of us in the behind and would teach us not just how to survive for a day, but teach us to fish. Teach us the Word of God. Teach us the presence of Jesus. Teach us to repent, to turn to you when it's hard fight apathy, depression, and anxious thoughts. For you promise us. Something that the Lord's been putting on my heart um, is that I think the lie that comes to us is um, that we have less agency than we actually have. And I think that a lot of times we fall into the extreme thoughts and we, and like you preached and like Doc said, like he said, that we go into these spirals of where it comes from, why is it happening? But I think the biggest lie the enemy whispers is that we actually have less agency than the agency we have in Christ. And I think that's why we give up a lot of times of what God is trying to establish in us. And that's why we reject a lot of times what God is trying to establish in us when he actually comes to correct us or even rebuke us and to align us back to him. But I think God is telling us in our tantrums, in our episodes, in our like 
deep pit walls of emotions, we have agency in Christ. And, um, and I think God is calling us to choose into that, that we are not helpless in Christ, amen? That we are not hopeless in Christ, but we have agency to choose him. That's what it means to be a child of God, that we're not defeated by anything, but that we have the choice, we have the agency to choose him each day for every struggle. And I pray that as a church that we would experience that victory together every day. And that we could, you know, aggregate that victory as a church. And that we could also not just focus on our own wins, but help others, you know, choose agency. And remind others that you can choose. You have control. Self-control is a fruit of the Spirit that he allows us to do. So when the enemy lies and says, you can't, no, not today, I don't think so, we can tell the enemy, rip I don't know, work, replace. Um, we can say, no, not today. I choose into the truth of God. I choose into what the Spirit is saying and who he is in my life. So I pray that. And that's why we have to be filled by God each day. Not because he runs out, but because we actually forget. And so I pray that as, um, you know, Sue was talking about that verse, that we would abide in him. And when we get disconnected, that we abide in him connect with him each day each moment i do it so many times a day because i forget so let's choose him each day we have more agency in christ amen amen will you bow your heads for the benediction may the grace of the lord jesus christ and the love of god and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all now and forevermore. All God's people pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Go in peace. Hi, everyone. Welcome to 180 Church. My name is Sarah. For those who don't know me, I'm a member here, and I'm just going to be sharing some community news before we go into the rest of today's service. So first off is how we can give. So if you're a member here at 180 Church, we want to remind everyone to tithe faithfully and keep God in the center of our life and finances. You can give at Venmo, Zelle, Chase QuickPay, or PayPal. And if you're visiting, welcome. You're our guest. There's no financial obligation to give. But if you'd like to, you're welcome to do so through the methods above. Next are some ways we can connect throughout the week. So first, we have our Bible reading group at 180BRG. So you can find in there some beautiful images and captions to brighten up your feed and provide some encouragement throughout your week. And it's a great way for us to keep God's word in our lives and in our feed and in our day-to-day -day and to learn more about who he is. So we invite you to follow along and share any of those images that you find beautiful or speak to you with your friends and family. And more ways we can connect on social media. Here is all the places that we are. Um, we have our Facebook at 180 Church. We have our um, pastor, Dr. Sammy's Twitter, Dr. Sammy Kim. Our YouTube channel is 180 Church NYC. And I know a lot of our folks are watching at home right now on there. And we have our three Instagram handles, 180 Church, 180 BRG, and 180 Fellowship. And speaking of our, speaking of those folks online, we have our um, live stream that happens every Sunday. So if there is a Sunday where you can't come in person, or if you have a family who are kind of out of the area and it's hard for them to come in person, um, they can join our remote service anytime, any week. Um, we have, yeah, this is, we had great remote services, right? <laughs> Um, but yeah, so any Sunday that you um, want to watch online, you can do so through YouTube. 
And next we have our small groups. So these meet throughout the week. It's a place where we can connect and learn more about one another, learn more about what God's doing. Um, and you can check out a small group. You can talk to me or you can talk to any of the greeters and we'll get you plugged in for more of those details about when and where those are. Next up, we have some resources for you, as you might have noticed, out at the cafe outside. We have some devotionals as well as Dr. Sammy's book, A Holy Haunting, that just won an award. Yay. Um, yeah, awesome stuff. So you can check those out. The prices are on the screen and we just do an honor system here. So you can give um, through the methods I mentioned before, like Venmo or Zelle. And yeah, just pick that up. We also have a couple more books out there right now um, because of our current series that we're doing, Victory Over the Darkness and Spiritual Direction. So um, I just recently, once again, listened to Victory Over the Darkness again, and it was super powerful for me and really obviously aligned to what we've been talking about. So yeah, I just wanna invite you all to check those out if you haven't already. And we also at the cafe have some 180 merch. So we have some shirts and sweaters for you to go rock 180 swag outside. And um, yeah, just pick one of those up and pay with the honor system once again, the prices are on the screen. And for if there's any, if there's ever a moment where you need prayer, if there's anything going on in your life that you just like a little extra support with, we do have a confidential prayer text hotline at prayer at 180church.tv. So you can send any of your requests there for anything going on in your life or anyone going on in the lives of those around you. Um, our next announcement is about A Glimpse, which is our instrumental album that Pastor Lydia recorded with piano. And um, yeah, we just invite you guys to listen to this if you're ever journaling or um, going on a walk. I know it's summertime. We're going to be doing a lot of that. Um, you can listen to it anywhere. And I hope we hope that it speaks to you and that it just helps bring God's presence with you. Next, we have our next day in the sun. It's exciting. Yeah. So we have um, the next one coming up on July 23rd. It's once again at the Great Hill at 106th Street and Central Park West. And we're actually going to be having a potluck this time. So we're going to be sending around an email and you guys can um, share with us what you want to bring. And so we just ask that our members coordinate with your small group leaders and we'll work it all out that way. But yeah, it's been the first, it's going to be the first potluck in a long time. So I'm definitely really excited. So we just want to ask everybody to keep the weather in prayer. I know last time it almost rained, but it didn't. So we're just hoping for that again, some good weather and just good times together. And just keep the state in mind and continue to invite your friends and family. The next slide is also just about all of our days in the sun. So the potluck coming up and then desserts in the sun and then our college party one. Um, so yeah, we just wanna remind our members that um, the donation this year, instead of doing it event by event, it's $100 for the entire year. So we just wanna ask you all to um, send that along if you haven't already. Our next announcement is ways we can serve in the community. So if you're looking for a way to volunteer, um, these are some ways that you can do so. We have our 180 Cafe if you'd like to wake up people both literally and spiritually outside with a cup of coffee or tea. Our Sunday school, um, you can help our littlest members get to know the love of Jesus better. And if you're a techie, you can come help us build really cool stuff online. And for our greeters, um, you can just be that welcoming face, just saying hello to people as they come in. Awesome. So I think those are all of our announcements. And if you're interested in any of those ways to serve, you can talk to me or any of the greeters once again.